From India's largest newsroom, I'm Meenal Baghel and this is the Times of India podcast. What I feel today is the strength of Mumbai Radio and this is not an electoral pitch. We have a chief minister of Maharashtra who is essentially born and brought up in Mumbai. I think it's after a long, long time, or probably the first time, at least in my knowledge, where the chief minister has its has his roots strongly based in Mumbai, knows Mumbai in and out, has been serving Mumbai from the municipal corporation or via the municipal corporation for a while, and now yes. is directly at the forefront. What this helps Mumbai with is a, of course, it aligns all the agencies of the state government and the local urban bodies so as to carry out our infrastructure projects, big or small, and also focus on ease of living, uh, weed out the hurdles that we faced in administration through the BMC, uh, which are always as a clash point with the state government. I think the officers, the elected representatives, the agencies really understand that the chief minister is keen that Mumbai moves forward. As we uh, say in BST buses, you know, Pude Chala. I think that is for us a very important thing. Pude Chala will always be for Mumbai when you have a chief minister from Mumbai. That's Maharashtra Tourism and Environment Minister Aditya Thakre explaining why it's to Mumbai's advantage to have the state's chief minister come from the city. Aditya isn't just the third generation of the Thakre family in politics, but in his first stint as minister, he has also been a very visible face of the coalition government while it dealt with multiple surges of COVID. As Mumbai heads into a very crucial municipal election, especially for the Shiv Sena, Aditya Thakre talks to me and my colleague Chaitanya Marpakwar about his vision for Mumbai, by when the city's seemingly unending infrastructure projects are likely to be completed, whether his plan to keep Mumbai open 24-7 is likely to fructify, and why he's driving a debate on environment despite it not being a vote-catching issue. So the city looks like, you know, the architect has dug and run away. Uh, would you be able to give Mumbaikas a sense of when the city will be spanking new and ready, if at all there will be a time like that? All throughout COVID times, we've not stopped on the roads. We've not stopped on the river rejuvenation programs, be it Mithi, that's going on, Daisar, Poisar, Oshivara, the minor Nalas. We've not stopped on the larger infrastructure work, be it the MTHL, mm. be it uh, the coastal road southbound, coastal road northbound, GMLR, JVLR. Uh, we're taking up the RA road. Uh, we're also working with MMRD now, uh, slowly wanting to concretize the entire Western Express Highway, Eastern Expressway, Eastern Freeway, create the missing link. So all of these works are going on. But while we focus on the big ticket projects, what my personal aspiration for the city really is, that I should be able to walk from one place to another safely uh, with an ample amount of streetlights, with CCTV surveillance and good footpaths. That is, uh, and pedestrian refrigerator. So that is what we've been focusing on. The other thing I've been really focusing on is increasing the amount of our public transport. Now, obviously, when we speak of Mumbai, you have the railways, you've got the metro coming in, you have the cabs, you've got the rickshaws. But most importantly, the breakthrough public transport at all times, be it floods, be it bomb blasts, be it whatever, in all challenges is the BST bus. And taking the model of the bus, and I have interacted with various city transport uh, uh, organizations across the world, the buses are always the most mobile, flexible, uh, reroutable, uh, and affordable public transport system. So today, Mumbai has largely focused on that and we're looking at a BST that will be transformed in the next three years. We're already on the path to do so. You spoke about the chief minister being from Mumbai. You have, of course, been born and brought up in Mumbai. 
what are the key changes that you have seen in Mumbai and what is the one area that you would like to focus on as Mumbai emerges from the pandemic? Is there one area that causes you worry? I think uh, if nothing worries us, we're not doing everything right. But I think one of the biggest issues that has come up or opened up rather across uh, India, and then we come down to our own state and our own city, is housing. That's always been a question because when we say work from home, how do you define home for millions of people who do not have a formal home? What about those in the slums? I think what we need to define as homes, the redevelopment of slums, which was stranded for years and years, we're working on policies to actually expedite that. Uh, with the coming of CRZ, that will be another uh, you know feather in the cap because now it gets an impetus. You also have age-old chawls uh, where you have shared toilets, like the BDD. Now, those are really 10,000 homes in Worli itself, the rest with Nam Zoshi, with Naigao, and we're looking at Shudi, which is under BPT. That is another thing that we're looking at. I would say the opportunity, rather not a challenge, to look at the eastern coast as another area that can open up for Mumbai cars, which is for breathing space. The development of the eastern coast has been in the works for a while, but it's somehow not taking off. Exactly. I mean, uh, we are keen that the development of the East Coast also is largely looked into by uh, the Mumbai Municipal Corporation because, you know, when you have different planning authorities, it can be a mess, it can be chaotic, or then it can move ahead. Uh, what has come as streamlined today is when you have MMRD, MHADA, SRA, Railways, Airports Authority actually having their own planning uh, uh, you know, uh, zones, you have the BMC providing your basic water and electricity. If the BMC really is in tandem and streamlined with these other agencies, then the citizens can get access to better quality of life. So yeah. that is what we're streamlining today. The Shiv Sena has, of course, always uh, championed the cause of the Marathi Manos. But also the demographic of the city has changed considerably in the last couple of decades. Uh, the number of Jains, Gujaratis, Marwaris and other people from North India has risen significantly to the extent that they now will impact if I'm not mistaken, 70-odd seats in the BMC. What is your appeal to them? I think I do not need to make a separate appeal because A, uh, the concept of Marathi or Bhuputra is not just an electoral one for us. It is something which lies at our core and that we voice in different states. Now, for example, today in Goa mm. or in the Pradesh where we are contesting elections or where we contested in Bihar or Bengal, we have voiced the Bhumiputras there. And we've always believed that when the reorganization of states happened, obviously locals there uh, and when you come down to a district level, that district or that taloka will have a larger voice in terms of how the state should be run. In that sense, if you see when we have developed schools of Mumbai Municipal Corporation to have CBSE, uh, ICSE, Cambridge and IB, all of them also have the fact that each of those schools of international board will also teach Marathi till the 10th standard. We believe if this was in Tamil Nadu, it should be about Tamil. If it is in Kashmir, the local language should be taught there as well because you have to blend in while we also move differently around the world. But in terms of the different demographic uh, uh, demographies around Mumbai, I think they have also lived for a while in Mumbai. They have voted for the Sena before. And they've also seen how the Sena has worked as uh, the opposition first, then as a part of a coalition that was running a government first, and now as a major part of the government. Now, when you're working and serving the people, that's when you don't see any divides between people, be it socio-economic or any cultural divides. You have to serve every citizen equally. And that's what we believe in. You, of course, as a politician, have had almost like a baptism by fire in the sense that you became a minister and there was COVID. 
one of the very very key components of mumbai is bollywood and and bollywood has been as we have all seen under some sort of an attack there's also filmmakers moving towards up and delhi to shoot there i mean mumbai can't afford to lose bollywood right mumbai is known for of course bollywood cricket politics financial center industry and if you see in the past few years not just in our time but in the past few years there has been a targeted effort to sort of shift each of this outside the state we do hope and we also pray that every state in india uh, moves forward at the speed of maharashtra all of us outperform each other there should be a healthy challenge but when that challenge becomes sort of stifling one state and putting another on the front runner i think that is where um, you know cooperative federalism is thrown out of the window i think we believe that if all states can have a healthy atmosphere have our own unique identities and keep working uh, together that is beneficial for india finally maharashtra prospering is beneficial for india any other state prospering is beneficial for india but not at the cost of each other however much anyone tries uh maharashtra will always be the focal point for all of it because finally maharashtra is a theater of dreams and uh, about baptism by fire it is said that smooth seas don't make good sailors and since we live by the sea i think we faced two storms in two storms in the past one year so we're fine with that one other pet project of yours has of course been nightlife which again has has had to take a huge beating and one of mumbai's big businesses why mumbai is the city where young people throng is also the kind of nightlife that it offers uh in what are the challenges there and do you see a foreseeable future that you can have this 24 by 7 nightlife i mean for us uh, purely as someone who's young who's in 21st century india uh, the idea was purely the economic benefit that our state and our country gets out of it now we've got multiple people who work 24/7 mumbai is a city that never sleeps and just like new york or london or many other cities around the world we are a city that has this thing of putting in efforts 24/7 my idea is if you want to step out tonight or whenever mumbai 24/7 the whole idea is if you want to step out late at night after you work and eat today the only place available is yes. a cafe in a five star hotel yes. which you may not want to go every single night or it is not affordable to everyone if you look at mumbai it is largely a safe city you have men and women both uh, on the streets at 3 o'clock 4 o'clock in the morning maybe going for a walk or run to the gym or coming back from work or going to you know someone's house for just to chill after work i think the fact is if you are a safe city your identity is of uh, of a safe city you've got multiple things in a city you've got uh, theaters you've got gyms you've got restaurants you've got cafes where i go very often is bachelor's milkshake now that is open 24/7 there's also ayub's rolls there's also different juice centers across the city the fact that if they're open anyway 24/7 if we can legitimize them if we can have them in what the box we put as gated complexes with enough surveillance enough parking so that they don't disturb the residents around it is safe for us to step out i think it's a bill, more than 5 billion pounds that london earns every single year out of the nighttime economy likewise for us um today directly we've got about 5 lakh people hired by the hospitality sector in mumbai at least pre covid times if we were to have 24/7 mumbai the law says that you need to have three shifts which would at least take you to 12 lakh people being directly hired so in terms of revenue in terms of jobs in terms of safety it makes us a much better city if you talk to uh, the people from the 70s and the 80s mumbai has always been open
there are many international tourists who come here uh, spend a day but they move on to goa rajasthan and other parts of india in the last two years you put a bit of a stress on uh, letting tourists stay here so how is how is that going to go forward uh, apart from opening up government buildings in mumbai for heritage tours the fact is tourism department has been one of those departments which i call uh, the department of youth and future also because really that is something we can build on uh, as a sponge sector after covid to increase our employment and revenue if you already see what's happening in the state of maharashtra a lot of homestays have opened up a lot of individual villas and bungalows and hotels which have ample space and they have you know earned really well throughout covid times um, what we are looking at in the department is in each district you have something to do either you have spiritual tourism which is to do with the temples and our spiritual places and that is something we are also building strongly on apart from that you have heritage tourism so you have unesco world heritage sites you have um, forts of chhatrapati shivaji maharaj and you have forts which are also built around this time by other people so this is something we are actively promoting apart from that you've got forests in our state you've got taroba you've got different different places you've got tilari which is now a part of the commonwealth canopy uh, you've got the flamingo sanctuary right next to mumbai we've got everything uh, in our state from across india as a landscape or as a culture but we've not promoted that and that is what we are actively working on promoting the whole sevare uh, campaign was hailed as a victory the new government came in they issued a stop work but right now as you know kanjur marg is stuck what is the status and uh, how do you think this is going to go in terms of mumbai we've got multiple lines out of which 2a and 7 i think they're almost ready for inauguration they have they're in the final stages of testing uh, line 3 is a 33 km long uh, metro which runs from north to south of mumbai it also connects seeps to kolaba with bkc being right in the center uh, one of the points of contention not the metro but the car shed area was about ra here it wasn't just about 2700 trees it was about an ecosystem that is the that is actively living there there is a biodiversity that is thriving there now the idea is when you're building a sustainable mode of public transport do you endanger a specific ecosystem or do you shift it out somewhere else where it is more possible and likely to be better now kanjurbag of course is now subjudice uh, maybe for political reasons or maybe for other reasons but it is subjudice but it would have connected as a nodal point for line 3 6 4 and 14 reducing almost 12 to 15000 crores of load on the state government in terms of expenditure because all four could could have come together we are actively working on a car shed spot for metro 3 which will be out very very soon for the last 5 years we have not been able to come out with a comprehensive open spaces policy going ahead into the elections in the next couple of months how do you think open spaces in the city should be governed i think open spaces are non negotiable in any city um when we speak of cities especially because maharashtra again like i said is 51% urbanized and if you look at not just maharashtra if you look at nagpur nasik thane navi mumbai the amount of uh, habitation that is coming across uh, the amount of schemes for affordable homes that are coming across we need to have basic playgrounds of mud not just concrete or you know artificial um, you know uh, materials they need to be there we need to have parks and gardens we need to have open spaces that are under the flyovers now there's a concept we're introducing in mumbai through our uh, you know dpdc which is basically tactical urbanism now we have nooks and corners in the city of mumbai which can be actually more effectively used between flyovers between two bridges under the flyovers between buildings these were originally open spaces now when you have layout plans coming in as you know mumbai starts to get developed and redeveloped we're ensuring that open spaces remain non negotiable 
obviously the bmc today has ample budget that can sustain ourselves for uh, you know the near future where we can maintain that what we also working on and taking more input on is if at all there is someone who is an agency or non profit organization who can allow people to go in for free uh, maintain the park or the garden and keep the sense of an urban open space for public that can be worked out obviously when we develop uh, lake areas when we develop waterfronts when we develop something like the coastal road so the coastal road is going to have 96 hectares of open urban green space when i speak of open spaces i also mean green spaces where either rainwater percolation is possible or plantation is possible or at least people can go and play cricket football sit do yoga that is where really the city will uh, you know benefit from open space do you think uh, uh, environment uh, is a vote puller like like housing uh, is it a issue that can give you electoral gain so there are certain things uh, which you do because it is the right thing to do and uh, even when uh, we were approaching 2017 bmc elections i remember and then 2019 consequently for lok sabha and vidhan sabha i was told uh, this by many friends who are in uh, who are cephalologists or who are in political journalism that aditya you're speaking so much about the environment but it is not really a big poll issue for a lot of people unfortunately i tend to agree with that because it is not yet a poll issue for our people but back then if you remember one of the things that said in one of my campaign speeches is today uh, we have wifi hotspots tomorrow you'll have oxygen hotspots and unfortunately because of covid you have uh, oxygen hotspots we shouldn't come to a point where we need oxygen hotspots because of the environment um frankly i would love it that many parties if we can start having sensible mature debates over uh, environment if we can start understanding and explaining to the common man and the common woman the common person rather uh, what climate change means what climate action means going beyond the jargons of you know climate action i think that is where the real fight for us as a society and country at large would be and today um, some of the things that we had promised a back then was ra declaring it as a forest we have achieved that now that doesn't give us the votes of leopards and tigers and rusty spotted cats and spiders but it does help us to save our city and make it better that was a moral sense of duty that we had to follow we have done that we've got 10 conservation reserves another 10 in the offing two sanctuaries one marine sanctuary one flamingo sanctuary now these are some of the things which i think was a part of not even just moral uh, doing but a selfish act so that you can breathe better air have cleaner water in the next few years i think sustainability is not for the planet we're not doing a favor on anyone else it's for ourselves you know as you spoke about climate change uh mumbai is particularly vulnerable being a coastal city are we doing enough for that uh what we are doing with the government's uh, maji vasundhra is we've committed 43 cities of maharashtra to race to zero now most of these cities have almost you know all of us put together have 6.5 million 6 and a half crore people living in it almost a population of uk or france and for us as a state that is aspiring always to be urbanized as for smaller towns to is you know aspiring to grow into bigger towns or tax themselves to municipal corporation i think it is very crucial to get our basics right if every municipal corporation if every urban and local rural body carries out their duty uh, perfectly in terms of solid waste management in terms of grey water discharge in terms of stps in terms of you know various other things like afforestation we would be on a better path today we have a dilemma of two things one is do we opt for going radically green maybe that may not be the most optimal thing for us today because we see 
we've got flyovers being made, we've got concrete roads being made, we've got old buildings getting redeveloped into newer buildings. All of this is going to have a carbon footprint. All of this is going to emit dust and carbon, which is fair. But if we can make them better, if we can avoid um, cutting of trees for unnecessary reasons, if we can find biomedias to save our water bodies, if we can actually find better ways of you know, sustainable development, that is where our carbon would get offset. Now, carbon neutrality as a concept is bringing down our carbon emissions to what can be absorbed by nature. And that's going to take adaptation, resilience, and mitigation all put together uh, moving forward. Because every time we breathe, we are emitting carbon. So we cannot say, let's not breathe. But if we can have enough plants or trees or you know uh, offset measures, that is where we can actually have a better city. Mr. Thakre, before I wind up, I just want to, if I may push you a little bit, yes. because all these wonderful things that you're talking about, and they are either on paper or partly underway, but the sense that all of us who live in Mumbai, who love the city, is that it's perennially under construction. Yes. Is there a, is there a time that you foresee when we can say, oh, wow, our city is done and it, look how lovely it's looking? So this happens with most cities of the world, especially the mega cities, uh, where cities are constantly updating and upgrading themselves. Or if not the city, then some building is upgrading itself. So that is obviously bound to happen. We're looking at connecting the missing links in the city. Uh, effectively uh, increasing our uh, speed of commute, lessening our carbon footprint. And obviously, uh, along with that, you know, in every road project, I'm keen that we can walk from one place to another. Yes, there will be another year or two of massive infrastructure development. But post that, when the metro projects come to conclusion uh, and all these big ticket projects, you will see a lot more peace and calm in terms of infrastructure because that is when we would have upgraded ourselves to a certain level and you would be able to walk from one place to another. Today's episode is produced by Jairad Singh, Arun George, and Sunay Marathi. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas, and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We are available on TOI Plus, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, reach us at TOI Podcasts at timesinternet.in.